I'm learning history in Cleveland, Tennessee. Welcome to the Curious Curators Podcast. It's Halloween, and today we're going to talk about some of the spooky stories and stranger-than-fiction moments that happen every year during this time. Let's check it out. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Curious Curators. I'm Hope. And I'm Lindsay. And happy Halloween. <laughs> I really wanted to say that. It is the week of Halloween. So today we're talking about some spooky, scary mysteries. Yeah, which is so funny. I was just saying this to Lindsay a second ago. Like, as much as I talk about scary stuff, you would think that I would be a lot braver than I am. Oh, yeah. But I'm such a chicken. And it's like, I'm embarrassingly chicken. Like, it's sad. So, do we want to talk a little bit about Halloween in general first? Give some interesting facts and histories on Halloween? Sure. I'm all about that. I actually really do enjoy Halloween. I love to read about Halloween and um, all the sort of traditions behind it as well. But one of the, the origin of trick-or-treating actually comes from uh, Celtic traditions known as mumming and guising. Mm. This is also where carving jack-o'-lanterns comes from. Oh, yes. Um, mumming is when you go door to door and you recite verses in exchange for food. Um, it, they would also carry around carved turnips mm. while they did this. And Scottish and Irish immigrants actually found the pumpkin, which is native to North America, to be easier to carve. And the first recorded carving of pumpkin was in 1837. Okay. So we made that switch because turnips are not so easy to carve. Well, I know what I'm so gonna small. Be, I know what I'm going to be doing like for the, the rest of my life. Uh, I knew that I remembered the poem, The Midnight Ride of Paul Revere for a reason. I'll just go to people's houses and recite it and ask for dinner. And then um, guising is when you dress up in costumes so that beings from the other world because Halloween is apparently that time when the veil is thinnest between our world and the other world. Yes. And you would dress up in costume so that otherworldly beings wouldn't recognize you. That sounds like a horror movie in the making right there. <laughs> um, I was reading that apparently Bloody Mary comes from Halloween. Okay. Um, Clearly, you know what I'm talking about. Like, Bloody Mary, you go in a dark room um, and you say Bloody Mary in the mirror three times and she's meant to appear to you, Mm -hmm. Um, which I probably haven't done that in about 20 years because when I was probably 10 years old, I was like, (laughs) I don't want to see something in that mirror. But apparently that actually came from something before that where you would go in a dark room and hold a candle on Halloween and you would see your husband's face. I assume your future husband's face. And if you saw a skull, it meant that you would die young. Oh. That's kind of dark, isn't it? So, yeah, it's kind of creepy that that's maybe where Bloody Mary came from. But I think that we probably have a couple local stories that we can tell Oh, absolutely. What I'm going to be talking about is the Hales Bar Dam um, and Marina and the Suck. Hmm. So the Tennessee River Gorge is actually pretty dangerous. It's filled with a lot of rapids and water hazards. One of them is called the suck, but there's also the pan and the skillet. Um, You can probably guess what the suck does. It's like a whirlpool? It's a whirlpool. Um, So the history begins um, with the suck that two Cherokee were paddling their canoes through this area, and they saw the whirlpool, and so they went to the side to get out of the way. 
Um, and they decided to wait until the river calmed, but the whirlpool grew bigger and stronger and actually pulled them in. Um, and both were tossed from the canoe, and one was seized by a giant fish, which I've seen river monsters, so I believe that. Same. The the fish that can, like, eat people. They're, like, 60 feet long or yeah. something the size of a house. And the other was dragged below by the whirlpool. At the bottom, he saw souls beckoning him to its depths, Ooh. and they tried to grab him. Um, but he was actually whisked away by a current, away from the whirlpool, and he lived to tell that story. Mm. Um, but later, they actually built a dam that took away the suck. Hmm. But because it changed the way that the waters were. Right. But the legends continued. So one of the big legends around it is um, about Dragon Canoe. Okay. Um, he is a Cherokee war chief. And he was angry about the legal treaty of Sycamore Shoals in 1775. And he apparently cursed this land to be uninhabitable. Um, another tale says that he actually came across pioneers trapped in these waters and he ambushed them. And a man and a newborn infant were lost to its depths. Mm. And it was also considered sacred. That water was considered sacred to the Cherokee tribe that lived there. But... Uh, in 1898, they built a dam anyways. Of course they did. Um, to circumvent or eliminate the water hazards in the fast-moving currents, and it did. Um, so construction of the dam began in 1905, and it was completed in 1909. Um, it was supposed to be completed in 1909. Because of difficulties in costs, it was completed in 1913. Um, That's so long. And apparently time. several hundred people died during the construction of this dam. And they also flooded a cemetery in the, by making the dam luck. without transferring the bodies. That so they just to left be, the cemetery to flood. Like, that has to be bad luck. Well, if you're asking for angry spirits, this place apparently has every single check mark on yeah, the list. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it. Um, and even though they created this dam, uh, problems didn't stop. So apparently the dam was completed with a porous limestone that would spring leaks constantly. And there was a tunnel built underneath this dam so that the local, um, I believe it was local children, could get to their school from one that side to the other. That safe. Um, and actually a leak did kill uh, at least two children who were passing under it. Um, later, TVA took over the dam and tried to renovate it in 1943 that was supposed to fix everything. And it didn't. Hmm. So finally, they abandoned it and built a new dam. I think it was six miles. Yeah, six miles downstream. Um, and today, the Hales Bar Dam and Marina sits on top of that old dam structure. Um, and apparently, um, you know, there are hauntings in this area. There are paranormal groups that have gone there and recorded EVPs. Um, even the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures visited the site in one of their mm. episodes. I can't watch those. I think they're too scary, but that's interesting. <laughs> So this place is actually pretty scary and has some really interesting legends that are steeped in some truth. At least Dragon Canoe was a real historical figure. How far away is that from here? Um, it's not that far. Road trip. Yeah, maybe an hour, I think. Oh, we could totally do that. Well, the next one. I think we could also go to this one that I'm about to talk about. I think they're in the same direction. Oh, perfect. We'll make a day of it. So this is the Old South Pittsburgh Hospital. So this has also appeared on quite a few of those ghost shows. It was on sci-fi. Um, a lot of ghost hunters have been, and it was on Destination Fear. 
last year. Okay. So that's pretty recent, which is on the Travel Channel. And this hospital is no longer in use. Um, it closed in 1998. This podcast is a production of the Alderman Group and the Museum Center at Five Points. Be sure to check out all our upcoming events on our website at museumcenter.org. That's museumcenter.org. Let's continue with the show. This hospital was only open in 1959, so honestly it wasn't even open for 40 years. But that land, you know, the land. It's cursed, I'm sure. I mean, isn't all... Never mind. Was it Native American cursed or was it Civil War cursed? Because there seems to be two types of curses. It was both. It was both. That's so rough. Like there are two types of curses in Tennessee. I mean, Double like, why would you even be like, you know what? It seems like a really good idea. No. So this land was inhabited by the Chiaha tribe. Okay. Pardon me if that's the incorrect pronunciation. So this was like back in 1778. They had this land. But during the Civil War, they allowed the Union soldiers to use the land. Um, but they also stored artillery and other items. And everything was going okay. It was pretty strategic. It was close to Chattanooga or Chickamauga and Chattanooga, I guess. And it was easy to launch attacks from Chattanooga or to Chattanooga from there, which, okay. Well, the Confederate soldiers assaulted the area. And they killed not only Union soldiers, but the Chiaha Indians and then Cherokee. But it was reclaimed in 1863 by the Union Army. So most people believe that the hauntings are contributed to these events. Um, when there was a hospital, like in you know the 1959 to 1998, when there was a hospital there, I mean, people always die in hospitals, right? And I think that that can cause bad things in hospitals, but most of the people, they hear babies and women screaming. They see orbs. Um, they Objects move oh, around on their don't own. Don't get me started on orbs. Doors close. They hear footsteps. There's disembodied voices, like, yelling, get out. Um, a nurse who actually touches visitors, I would die. And kind of just other, like, Nurses touching people at a hospital? A ghost nurse. Okay. A ghost nurse touching real people. Oh. And you can actually hear the EVPs that are recorded online. So I think that one's kind of interesting. And also, I mean, why would you build a hospital there? Like, you should have known that was going to be cursed. Well, I mean, if a hospital's already going to be haunted anyways because people die there, you might as well just put it somewhere where... I guess that's true. So um, there is another sort of legend that... Because we've talked about in the past, we've talked about uh, Tall Betsy, and we've talked about... um, other sort of urban legends that happened in the Cleveland area. There actually is one from Charleston, which is just up the road. It's also in Bradley County. Okay. And it's the Phantom Monk. Ooh, I like it. I already like it. So this actually has to do with trains. So this happens in Charleston, Tennessee, which I believe has about 650 residents. So a very small town. A village, if you will. A village. So in 1867... A train was traveling from Baltimore to New Orleans. Okay. On this train was a Franciscan monk. Okay. Now, a Franciscan monk is exactly what you imagine when you think of a monk. The brown robe with the white belt. The they rope? Have, it's a rope belt, isn't it? Yes. They have a little rosary, exactly what you picture a monk being in every form. So he's on this train. But in, in 1867, and this is confirmed... There was extreme flooding in the area of Charleston. That seems Apparently, to be a common thing. <laughs> yeah, 
we're saying this right now as we've got flood warnings outside, so it actually works out. Well, during this flooding, it actually altered the tracks or flooded the tracks. Something happened to the tracks and the train wrecked. Now, I couldn't find records of the train wreck. I could find records of the flooding, and it basically reported that it had done a lot of damage to train tracks and roads, but I couldn't find evidence of this exact train wreck. Okay. But this train crashed, and there was a doctor called Dr. Baysmore, and he was tending to all of the patients, and apparently he worked so hard tending to all the injured and all of the dead that he actually collapsed from exhaustion during this whole thing. And at the end, all but one passenger were accounted for. The monk. The monk. He was not accounted for. And because he was a monk, he did not have a wife or children or anything. He didn't have family who were expecting him in either place. Right. So no one necessarily reported him missing. How sad. But the story goes that later in Dr. Baysmore's practice, a fully articulated skeleton showed up, which was the pride of his office. Um, Did he take the body of the monk? According to one writer, um, nobody knew where the skeleton came from, but everybody in Charleston knew of the doctor's pride in his new possession. So he actually moved away from Charleston. He moved to Chattanooga and then on to Cleveland. And this is confirmed. There was a Dr. Baysmore. Um, I actually did the research and I found medical journals and things like that announcing his death and his practice and everything. So Dr. Baysmore was real. And he moved from Charleston to Chattanooga and to Cleveland. And he moved on. But a Dr. Jacob McClary moved into his office. And he was approached by a man who introduced himself only as Hornsby when Dr. McClary moved in. And he warned him that the house was haunted. Hmm. And he warned him about the skeleton that Dr. Baysmore had acquired. He was like, nobody knows where it came from. But I swear it's haunted, and it's because of that skeleton. And so the McClary's started hearing a clicking sound Mm. in the house. And it sounded like the clicking of beads. Oh, yeah. Like a rosary. Like you would. And sometimes he would catch a figure in a brown coat with a white rope tied around his waist. That's horrifying. I would literally... But it didn't seem like a malevolent spirit, and they just lived with it. I don't understand how people are like, I'll just stay here with it. And the house was demolished in 1932. Of course it was. And a rosary and a brown habit were found inside the walls. (gasps) So he did kill the monk. Actually, that was never confirmed. That's the story. But that part was never confirmed. Um, I I could not actually find any evidence that anybody found anything. And and, and Dr. McClary was alive during that time. He was real. He lived until 1949. Dr. Bazemore lived until 1910. So it is feasible that his house was torn down and everything. Yeah. I I couldn't find any evidence of the rosary story, which I feel like would have been news. Um, And I also couldn't find um, evidence that Dr. Bazemore was even in Charleston at the time. He did exist and he did live in Charleston. But he moved there, according to historical records that I found, he moved there in 1868. Um, He wouldn't have been there in 1867. Unless he was just visiting to check out the town. He could have. Yeah. He could have done that beforehand. Um, 
But that's the that's the story of the Phantom Monk. I like it. That Charleston. sounds like an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. It does. <laughs> wow, that's a flashback to that's some '90s nostalgia there. All right, guys, that's all we have for you today. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Be sure to join us next time as we talk all things history and tell the story of the Ocoee region. I'm learning history in Cleveland, Tennessee. Ocoee's a society, Five Points Museum. Telling the story of our history. Coming together as community. I'm learning history. In Cleveland, Tennessee, Ocoee Society, Five Points Museum, telling the story of our history, coming together as community. I'm learning history, Five Points.